This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, and Brian Murphy. And we welcome you to this edition of the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. I'm Eric Lopez, and on this edition, we will preview the 2021 UCF softball season. You will hear from head coach Sidney Ball Malone to talk about the night's season that comes in ranked in the top 25. We'll talk about the schedule and the roster, an expanded roster, as we'll get into as well. Also, later in the program, you'll hear from seniors Aaliyah White and Jasmine Esparza from their media availability as they discuss this upcoming season. Plus, I'll give you some things to look for here in the 2021 season. That's all coming up on this edition of the Black and Gold Banneret podcast, where we preview the UCF softball season. Of course, you can go to blackandgoldbanneret.com for all the latest news in UCF athletics across all the across the board. We have previews up of women's soccer, men's soccer, and volleyball. We'll be previewing baseball in the near future, as well as, obviously, all the latest with going around UCF athletics uh, deal there. And, of course, you go to our YouTube page. You can subscribe there. You'll have some interviews up. Uh, content of all UCF sports up there as well as on our YouTube page. Of course, you can follow us at UCF underscore Banneret and like us on our Facebook page as well, UCF Black and Go Banneret. All right, let's get to, of course, the United season. One of the more anticipated seasons for UCF softball is to begin their 20th season in program history. Was, they're coming off a 2020 se- season of what if. The Knights were 21-5, and five, ranked in the top 25 in the country, one of the top offenses in pitching when the season came to an abrupt end in March of 2020. All the seniors got an extra year of eligibility, which meant Aaliyah White, Jasmine Esparza, and Kira Klarkowski returned to the team. Pretty much 95% of the roster is back. It's a veteran team with a nucleus uh, that now wants that hunger to finish what they started in 2020. Add some new pieces, as we'll talk to Coach Bear about, and the expectations are through the roof, which means there's a target on the back of the program. This is the second time in program history they're ranked in the top 25, but nothing's new for Coach Ball Malone, who came in to fix this offense. And then over the, her span here, since being here, the offense went from 260 batting average in 219, 2019 to 310 in 2020, which shattered many of the offensive records from the previous seasons. But now it's a new year and a challenging schedule. I recently had a chance to sit down with Coach Ball Malone to talk about the expanded roster, the high expectations, and as well as the schedule. Here now, Sydney Ball Malone on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. And joining us now, of course, she's in her third season as the head coach at UCF. Of course, top 25 of all the national polls. I speak of Coach Bear, Sydney Ball Malone joining us here. Uh, coach, how you doing? I'm doing great, Elo. Thanks for having me again. How are you? Doing all right. Unique circumstances. Uh, what was it like for you this fa- in the fall and now here as you get ready to start the season in preparing your team in these unique settings? Yeah, um, well, we had to be creative. And um, so just, I mean, I'm sure you've heard from everybody. It's just been different. And um but it's, it's something where there's so many unknowns that you can't have any expectations of like, okay, we plan this and it's definitely going to go through uh, with the week of what it, what it looks like. Um, so I think 
it's just been, it's allowed us to be creative. I think for our student athletes, it's created adversity that they've had to go through um, and they've gotten stronger, but at the same time, um, they really value team connection and um, just the team bonding. And so that's something that we've, we've done in, in successful ways, whether it be through Zoom or you know, 15 feet social distance, trying to get to know your teammate. Um, so it's been interesting, but you know, we've made it through it and um, can't believe we're a week away. It's crazy. What have you learned about yourself through going through this? Cause I've talked to a lot of different coaches and they've said they've learned some things that they wouldn't have thought about even if it wasn't for the circumstances that they're in that now that they figured they might do this more certain activities or things like that moving forward. What have you learned about yourself as you've gone through this? And what have you learned about your group? Well, I really like, and I didn't mention this before, but we practiced in pods for quite some time. Um, I don't like that the team is separated, but at the same time, the amount of reps that we got um, was, was pretty valuable. And the way we separated the pods, normally when we're doing small groups or individuals in the beginning of fall, we break them up by position. This year we break, we broke them up by, by a team. So we had two different teams. And so they could essentially, you know, play a full infield outfield defense if we needed to, or the pitchers could throw um, to their pods hitters with some defenders and I really liked that. It was, we were able to focus on a lot of our newcomers coming in and learning our relays and destinations and um, just some of our defensive plays and how we run our offense. And um, so there was a lot of one-on-one. -on -one. Um, tiresome for the coaches, but <laughs> we, we, were, we were practicing quite often. We had a lot of double days. Um, but what I learned through it all was, you know, I – we did the Knights Unlimited. We've had let them play games um, as often as we could because they weren't going to get those games. And for the for the newcomers, for the freshmen, that was really important to us, you know, that they were going to get some game time um, so that we could see them before we actually implemented our teaching curriculum. Um, so we played a lot of scrimmages and we let them we 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 kind of mimicked the athletes unlimited um, to a T as far as they, we had captains, they chose their teams, they chose their lineup um, that if they didn't know how to enter somebody correctly, they actually got dinged for it. Um, so they learned the game in, in a strategy way. And it was neat to have the captains call the coaches and say, Hey, so in these scenarios, who do you play in this position when, and so, so I was pitching. Um, and why do you move this person to that position? And um, so that's what I learned is they got to kind of take ownership in, in their development and almost the coaching side of things. Yeah. And it's funny. You're not the first coach you've mentioned that, that used the system from athletes unlimited there. That's been a bit popular there. Was there any, who was the cat? Was there a cat Osterman like uh, that dominated like she did there, which is kind of wild there. And obviously Victoria Haywood, I know a friend of the program did very well. She'll be back actually for that second season of athletes. Unlimited. just got announced. So uh, that was fun to see there a little softball in the fall there. And really, I think a lot of coaches picked up on that to help them through practices. Oh yeah, for it, just just the intensity that the girls got to see over the summer of how these um, athletes played 
not only for their team, but individually. And um, what was cool is the, the individual points. I mean, it was hard to continue to stay on top if your team didn't win innings. And, and so they got to know the importance of that. But, and you mentioned a, a good name in uh, Victoria Hayward, a familiar name is um, our very first week of captains. One of them actually reached out to her and said, how did you pick your team? Um, because she was our director of ops. So they had her contact info and she said, hey, when you're a captain, like, what was your scenario? Um, and I think the information that she gave, and I don't know if I'm giving like the secret information. <laughs> she said, I didn't worry about defense. I worried about my pitching and my hitters. And she said, defense will fall in line, especially if you have the pitchers that you want. And that captain actually went three and zero that week. So it was uh, pretty cool to see um, how she just, she took that time to really invest in it. But um you would think it was Leah White straight out the gate, and it wasn't. Um, but then she was a captain the last three weeks. So um, Jada Cody was in there a little bit. Um, I believe Gianna was in there one, once or twice. Um, but it started out with Kira and Shannon. So we did some like little little activities and events to get the first two um, uh, captains. And so it was Kira Klarkowski and Shannon Doherty that started it off. Well, as you could said, Sebi, it's competitive. I mean, and then I could tell that. I remember in Athletes Limited, everybody had their own little strategy. Cat would take wins, Vekas, all the time because they had a good partnership from a catcher pitcher standpoint. So uh, I don't think they're. I don't think we're breaking like secret codes on like draft strategies at Athletes Limited. I think they'll, they'll be fine. I think Victoria will be more than uh, good with that. Um, big roster. Obviously, the year extra year. We talked about this when we last time we had you on. You get Aaliyah White back. You get Jasmine Esparza back, Kira Klarkowski back from the extra year of eligibility that the NCAA gave the spring athletes for for what 2020. Uh, so all your seniors except Aubrey Johnson returns. Aubrey had a prior commitment uh, from an academic standpoint, so that's why she didn't return, you know, which is kind of, I mean, the people don't realize that about softball players is a lot of times you got to make plans while you're playing, life after softball and things like that. But what has it been like to have this expanded roster uh, and having those seniors back uh, as a part of it as being the leaders? Well, I mean, to be able to return your complete starting lineup um, is awesome. And um, what's what's even um, more special about it is I couldn't tell you what our starting lineup is for next weekend. Um, and that's because of some of our newcomers and those returners are just super excited um, to have even more competition. Um, so just having having that that maturity, that experience, um, and I'm even seeing just a, a even stronger side in leadership from all three of them. Um, we are, you know, Aubrey Johnson, um, and I, I need to talk about her. I know she's not coming back or isn't back with us, but. Um, you don't realize what you had until it's not there. And her leadership was just, we haven't, we haven't found the person that like kind of takes over where Aubrey left off. And I think that's going to be very difficult. It, it's going to probably take a couple people because Aubrey was really special when it came to leadership and when it came to commanding attention and focusing on the task at hand. Um, and so as a coach, I mean, there's just days where I'm like, I need Aubrey to tell him, you know, and so that's also something that I've learned is um, 
to let our leaders really lead and, and learn and sometimes make those mistakes as well. So, but having everyone back and then uh, along with our newcomers and um, we, we did a little uh, activity in the fall where we made, we had everybody create their starting lineup with, I believe we had 30 at the time. And um, one of our main starters who was our, our home run contributor um, didn't, didn't start herself off in, in the starting lineup. And she said, I'm getting outplayed right now. And so that's the culture that these girls have allowed the coaches to create, but then also have just embraced. And um, so that's, what's fun to see is everyone come back and those three seniors come back and know, like, there's no guarantee with, you know, what I had last year and who I was last year. Um, It could be, it could look different this year. So well, you mentioned Aubrey. She was that veteran that did, you know, whatever you asked her to do, she would do. If you played her at second, she played second. If you moved her to left field, she did, you know, whatever you did. And I thought that set a great example for everybody else because you use your bench. Uh, you're one of the few. And I kind of told you that like, I feel like the one positive is from having the expanded roster, because I've talked to coaches there, but like, man, I don't know what, you know, this is kind of new to me. You can probably adapt more than other coaches can because you use your bench as a weapon. You have defined roles. You like to have players as defensive specialists to come in during the game or offensive specialists and mix them around you're not you're one of the few coaches i've seen that won't burn a player just for the sake of burning a player there's a purpose behind using them and i think that could help you as kind of manage this expanded roster right oh absolutely and you know what's cool too is um you know you think well we have some of these freshmen that could uh, really be impact players, uh, maybe, you know, in, in the years to come and should we redshirt them? And, you know, I, I, I'd be lying if I didn't say that we didn't talk about that, but, um, those freshmen want to play and they want to be a part of the program. And, um, they even said, this is the best team I've ever been a part of. I want to play. And, uh, I, I know like the seniors have told us that you use your roster. And so we know that we'll get our opportunity if we continue to keep working. Um, So it was this, it was a cool reminder of, you know, that connection that we have coaches and players, the team knows what to expect. They know if something's not working or if there's a matchup, we're going to use it and they like it. And so that's fun. It allows me, like you said, Elo, that's one of my strengths. It allows me to like really coach the way I want to coach without having to worry about the emotions behind it. Pitching staff, of course, Aaliyah returns, uh, is on the verge of breaking a lot of records, especially the wins record. I know she doesn't like hearing about that stuff. She's focused more on winning. Uh, what has it meant to, what have you seen from her this fall? And then obviously you got G Mancha back who, and then you've got Brianna back, Brianna Vasquez and those three together, they were kind of blending in, in 2020. It was starting to click before the season shut down. Now they get them back together here. Part of that, a deep, a deeper staff this year. Yeah. Um, we call them the three headed monster. Um, and <laughs> rightfully so, um, you know, in, in the beginning of nights unlimited, I couldn't tell you who was the ace because everyone brought their A game when they came back. I mean, they, those pitchers were, were very hungry over summer. And um, I think that Gianna hit her, like her, she just kind of got to that spot against Fullerton in her very last game. And it, she, she didn't want to stop. Right. Aaliyah too. She threw very well in California and 
I mean, breathe through well throughout, throughout the small season that we had. So it was cool to see how everyone was kind of highlighted in a way um, during Nights Unlimited. And honestly, um, what I, I think that they're going to be most prepared in games because they played so many games against our hitters. And we had to remind them, look, you're a top 25 team. So you're facing top 25 hitters every day. And I mean, some of them had to face the same hitter in like a Shannon Doherty or a Jules Wilson and to get them out in 12 games, that's hard. I don't care who you are. And um, so they learned how to, how to play the game at a higher level and, and really come up, come around and, you know, learn scouting reports and see tendencies and see adjustments and, so I'm, I'm really excited for that pitching staff, along with some freshmen that came in. And, you know, we have our, a couple sophomores um, that also didn't get a ton of playing time last year. But still, I mean, they got they they kind of held them off and um, in Knights Unlimited as well. Offensively in 2020, you hit 310 as a team. It's the like shattered a lot of offensive records, run scored, slugging on base when the season ended and what people don't realize is that was with one of the toughest schedules in the country. I think it was like top 10 toughest conference schedule. So it wasn't like you were hitting off, uh, you know, an easy schedule and an improved 50 point improvement batting average, 310 in 2020 from your first year in 2019 to 260. I remember when you were brought in, you were, you were named the head coach. People talk, you know, they, the big thing they talked about was your offense. Uh, you were number one batting average when you, your last year at Boise state, which is kind of funny now looking back. Cause as we'll get, you know, people now realize you're you're really a pitcher hardcore. Like you were one of the greatest ever in Pacific. You you kind of got into coaching as a pitching coach, but you also have now turned uh, have an offensive philosophy. You've talked about it in N NFCA conventions, even spoken to your peers about that. Did that jump? Was it quicker than you thought? Was it on schedule? What you thought when you first got here, as far as with the offensive philosophy and the players kind of clicking? Well. Um... I think that that really the offensive mind, I mean, I've, I've been a two way player. Um, and so that offensive mind really had to come about at in Boise. Um, we had to score runs because people were going to score runs. I mean, you just, the ball went a long way. It traveled, you know, and so we, we had to learn how to win, even if we were going to give up some runs. And so that's kind of where I learned that. But as far as answering your question, um, it did go quite faster than I expected. And, you know, that those numbers that you talk about, those dropped dramatically when we went to California too, you know, we, and we still had great numbers. I mean, our, I think we talked about this before, but our strikeouts doubled just in that week in California. And we knew they were, we prepared for it. So um, it would have been interesting to see that season play out with those offensive players um, and, you know, once we got into, cause we faced, I think every game, an all American pitcher out in California. Um, and so it, I, did it happen quicker than I expected? Yes. I think some key, um, transfers came in and helped with that, um, along with the freshmen. And then, you know, we train every day. Um, we, we kind of set them up for failure and they have to learn how to deal with it. Um, and that first year is tough. It's a grind, not only physically, but just emotionally, mentally, 
um, you know, you're, we're, we're telling you to hit something where you're only, you may not even hit the ball um, off of one of the machines, the way we have it set up out of 25 pitches. And I just kept telling them, stick, stick to it, stick to it. You'll get it. And then when we came back in fall, we had a freshman and a senior hitting off the same machine and the freshman swinging and missing and the seniors acting like it's BP and we have it set up to the, let's set them up for failure. And the freshman's just like, you know, sweating it and just like, what's going on? I, I think I can hit the ball. I don't know what's going on. And the senior said, believe me, just keep going. We've been through that too. And so I, I really, I don't, I mean, we can swing, we're great hitters, but their mentality is why they are such a great offensive team. Um, they identified, we have our identity. We know what we like to do. We know what we're great at and we like to use all of our skills. So um, yeah, I do pinch myself every day during BP cause it's really fun to watch. Um, and I try not to let them see uh, my excitement and the mask is great in that way. They can't see my smile. I'll be like, <laughs> it was pretty good today. I think we can get better, you know, cause I constantly want them to be hungry. So, um, yeah, I, with the offensive story of this group and just their buy-in it's, they want to be that complete team and they are. And you mentioned some of the new faces that helped was Justine Molina, who came over from Boise state second base was kind of like your two out RBI machine. You know, it hit over 300. It seemed like every RBI she hit was with two outs. Uh, in the lineup, no matter where you put her in the lineup. And then Georgia Blair had six homers, has power to all fields, may, you know, really showed power that really a lot of the UCF fans hadn't seen maybe since UCF Hall of Famer Stephanie Bess, who could hit to all fields. Those two made a big contributions. And then Shannon Doherty hit 440 in her freshman year, uh, was chasing Stephanie's freshman record for, uh, you know, games with a consecutive base hit. Uh, streak. Uh, Jada Cody at third base at the corner. All were new faces last year that delivered right away and are back this year. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting because I just spoke with Shannon and uh, yesterday and um, we talked about setting goals and um, you, you talk about her success last year and she said, I'd like to set some goals this year. And I thought, well, you're going to be pretty darn good if you didn't set any last year because uh, the, what you accomplished was amazing. But what's so awesome about Shannon is she does not look at the stats. All she cares about is what's the situation? What does my team need me to do? Like that's her favorite part about the offense. Um, and so, like you said, just adding all of those, those players, we have three freshmen still because they got their year back in Jada Cody Jules Wilson, um, Shannon Doherty, and, you know, they're going to be in the, the middle of the lineup or top of the lineup um, for a long time. Uh, so that's fun to see. And like you said, Justine Molina is that thorn in your side. Um, just when you think, you know, you got her, you don't. And I would say that even on defense. Um, but I'll tell you this, she's our defender. I, I She can hit. She's our clutch hitter. Um, but the reason why she's so spectacular is because she is our defender. And that's what people want to come and watch when they come to watch us is what she does out there. The hitting is a bonus and um, just her clutch hitting, her relentless, um, just her mentality. Of she, she doesn't give up until the umpire says you're out. So, uh, yes, that she's definitely turned it on for us in that first weekend last year 
Georgia Blair is just special. Uh, the power that she has, I love how you talk about her power to all fields. You, your observation um, is just spot on with her. She is, when she's pulling the ball to left side, we kind of say, hey, let, let's go back to right field. Come on, that's that's not you. Even though she can hit the ball a mile to, you know, to the left side, but um, tough to get out if she's got power, you know, going oppo, I don't know what to throw to her. Um, so love having that. What you're going to see a little bit more of is, uh, some additional speed, um, along with Denali shot pocker. So I'm excited to see how that all works this year. Cause we've got a transfer in that's got some speed and, um, a few freshmen that, uh, can hit and have speed as well. Yeah. I've noticed I went through the roster. I don't know. Good luck making the lineup. I, when I did the, I looked at the roster, I'm like, well, they're going to start. She's going to start. She's going to, then I came up with like 15 starters or 16. Yeah. So yes. Uh, and I'm glad you mentioned Jules Wilson. She had 321, could catch, play first, and the outfield. You even played her some in the outfield, and that's kind of the flexibility you're looking for as you try to get creative and get many bats. And then Jazz was having her best year of her career, her night career, hit 321 offensively. She's always been solid with the glove. She's on the, I mean, right at the top of unfielding percentage for first base and in the infield all-time in program history, but her bat really woke up last year. And I would imagine that's one of the reasons she's excited to be back because she wants to kind of carry that over to this year. Oh yeah. And, and that's one that I would say just the maturity level and her um, ability to respond now and play, recover, play. It's, it's so exciting to see. So I'm really going to love um, just looking forward to her approach at the plate because she's, she's getting it. You know, and even if she takes a swing and just misses, she comes in and uh, maybe in our my first year here, it would have been a different response. And now it's like she comes in with a smile and she's like, I'm right on it. Um, and that's what you need to have because there is so much failure in the game. And we didn't even mention Carissa Ornelas. I mean, I call her quiet thunder and it's for a reason, but uh, pitchers don't want to throw to her either. And she's one of those little clutch hitters that has the two strike um hits and the two out hits as well so yeah i'm i'm gonna i may have to pull out of a hat every once in a while. <laughs> it's a good problem to have but you're right carissa hit 387 slug 500 and that was huge because i remember last year going into last year you know fans had questions well who takes over for cassidy brewer and that production she had behind the plate and at the plate and carissa did it uh, on both sides of that so that was huge credit to her on that she's a big weapon behind the plate and as i mentioned you have jules who could also back her up as a play catcher as well and then outfield you get kira Klarkowski back who's one of the great defending uh center fielders in the program history she's like two assists away from the all-time record for an outfielder assist defensively that shows off her arm but she brings more to the table than that doesn't she she does as far as leadership um, I don't know if I've ever been a part of somebody that has just the feel, the maturity, and I, I don't even, she makes me feel like she's my leader. Um, and um, it, it's just amazing. I mean, we, we use proactive coaching and um, a gentleman named Rob Miller comes in and speaks with us and this year we had to do it via Zoom. Um, but she wrote a letter to the team and when you see somebody that does something for a living get blown away by something, you're like, okay, this one's pretty special. Um, but you know what's so exciting for Kira is she's got leaders around her this year that have experience. And so she gets to just play a little bit. 
Um, and I'm loving seeing her enjoy that and not be such a, a worker and a, you know, a concentrator and an analyst, you know, she's analyzing things sometimes because she's trying to be that leader that we need. Um, but one of the best outfielders I've seen and coached, um, I mean, I would, I would put her up against anybody in the nation or world. I mean, that's, wow. and I've, I've been around some great ones. Um, and just the athleticism of that individual, holy cow. So excited to see her be able to play and not have to be our, you know, our only leader or our captain kind of managing things. So. And you also have Denali Schottpacher who could play all three outfield positions. And I'll never forget that Michigan game. She won that game, got on base, caused havoc on the base pads and scored the winning run on the wild pitch with her instincts. Just a, a tremendous talent who you could p- plug in at any outfield position and not miss a beat and hit her anywhere in the lineup, top, bottom of the lineup and and do what, uh, get on base if the, and, you know, get big hits for you. Oh yeah, it's, it's been fun to see her as well this year. Um, she graduated uh, last year. So um, the major that she had, it, it required a lot of time uh, out of her. And so she'd miss at least two team practices a week and she would make it up on her own time, but she was that good missing that much practice. Um, so we've had Denali full time this year and I love it. I mean, again, another voice um, and leader by example, one of the, the hardest workers and the most competitive person, I swear. So um, it's, it's fun to see what she does and, she is sharpening up her game and adding a little power to it too. So it's, it's been fun to watch her compete, um, especially with some of our power hitters. Who are some of the new faces on the team that you think uh, could contribute and, and really add on to this team, uh, either being offensively, defensively, or pitchy? Who are some of the new faces that the Knight fans should certainly keep an eye on as they watch that could serve uh, and help out just like the new faces a year ago did? Yeah. Um, well, I, I'll have to go with Grace Jewell, a freshman pitcher um, from Virginia. She is a power pitcher, a little different from the other three that got most of our innings last year. Uh, so we've, we've really worked her into try to get her into that starting rotation, um, at least in our scrimmages, so that she understands what it looks like, what it feels like, and what's required of her. Um, and she's doing a, a great job of that. Um, and she's a two-way player as well, so um, she can swing it a bit too. It's just a strong, a strong, strong player. Um, and then you've got uh, Kennedy Searcy and Katie Birch, uh, two middle infielders, also can play the outfield, can run, left-handed hitters um, with some power. And, you know, you see one of them and you think, mm, probably a slapper, and then you get surprised when she burns you. So... Um, and then Kennedy's just, she can do it all. Um, so excited to see those two work, work their way into things and, and see how this, this whole thing goes when we play opponents. And, um, but the thing with them, all three of those girls, and we have other freshmen as well. Um, and another pitcher, Jordan L. Macy, um, and then Emerson Lee, um, I would say it's, it, I thought last year was a really strong freshman class. This year is strong as well. So I think that that attests to how, what they're doing. 
um, as a program. And, you know, when you do well, you, you get those type of players with you. So we have one transfer. Um, her name is Elise Volpe. She played for the junior um, Canadian national team uh, and came from Bucknell. Um, gives Kira a run for her money, uh, which is so awesome. I, I think when they were conditioning one day, um, she, Kira was getting beat. And I said, is she faster than you? And she said, coach, I can't slide like her. I don't know, you know, like a shuffle like her. So I don't know how she does it, but that's not human. <laughs> and it, it's like not human, humanly possible. And um, just a, she's a great individual, uh, a very mature individual, a little quiet um, and I think that it's the perfect fit for our team because we do have a lot of influencers and loud people on the team. So um, she's she's really meshed well and gained the respect from the team coming in mid-year. That's huge and adds depth to the roster. And we look at the schedule. You got depth on the schedule, Coach. Uh, you've definitely now established yourself. I've mentioned recently on a podcast, you're like the heavyweight champion of UCF coaches comes to scheduling here because – Last year, you had an, an, a wild schedule, which really paid off RPI-wise, everything like that. But you've done it again, even with the challenges this year, because obviously this was not the original schedule. We'll just leave it as that, because with everything going on and the changes and restrictions with other conferences and teams, you had to adapt to the schedule. And yet, here you are. You've pulled it off still a strong schedule, even with those challenges. Take us through that process first of, trying to come up with a schedule that you wanted and then you have to adjust and still come up with a high level of schedule as we'll get into. Well, I think that that you can definitely say um, it wasn't as difficult as it may may have sounded. I mean, trying to figure out when we could play and who we, you know, what days in between testing and whatnot was the, the most difficult thing, but the amount of um, strong opponents in the state of Florida, number one is, made it very helpful for that. But I mean, honestly, as soon as we were told we got to stay regionally, um, I got on the phone and I just called everybody that I could in the SEC, big 12, you know, wh whoever ACC. Um, and, you know, we, we were scheduled with Florida state too, but they had their, um, their situation with the 10 games. And so it just didn't work out with ours. And, um, but the, our team wants to play the best. And even when talking to our incoming freshmen or even recruits, um, that's what they say. They say, you guys play one of the best schedules. And when we, you know, release the schedule to the team, they're, they're not scared. They're, they're smirking, like, let's go, let's get ready. Let's get out on the field and practice right now. We're ready to go. Um, and that's what it's all about. I mean, if we, we want to compete against the best um, so that we know truly that we've reached our potential and, um, you know, that we're, we're putting in that work to get there. So um, I couldn't say that I did it by myself. Um, I have a, a, a very good teacher with Brandy Stewart telling me, uh, you know, what I, where we need to kind of fit people in and, and that kind of thing. And um, our assistants as well are just 
you know, everyone's up for the challenge and they love it. And so it's kind of worked out for us. It's not easy though. I'll, I'll tell you that much. No. And, and, and I kind of want to go through some of the teams. I know that people, there's the, there's a couple teams people want to focused on when the schedule came up, but I want to talk like Florida Gulf coast, top 50 in offense run scored and hitting with David Darius. They should have been in the tournament two years ago. They were in the mix. They were going to be in the mix this last year. And they're probably one of the ASUN favorites alongside Kennesaw state. Trip McKay, former Oklahoma assistant, they have a top 50 offense from 2020 back. Uh, you got McNeese State, James Landrino, and McNeese State, they've been a power in the Southland and been a team in that region where they've always been that three seed that teams don't want to see. Uh, they're, so they're a talented team as well. Uh, with those, just those alone, I mean, you, I think I read, I saw where you got like seven teams that were in the top 50 offensively. I don't know if that was coincidence or you wanted to challenge your pitching staff, but either way, you've accomplished those things, but they're also teams that are favorites to win their leagues and probably see them in postseason. Yeah, and, and that's what it's all about is we want to play teams that are competing for postseason um, so that when we get when we cross that road, we're prepared. Um, but, I mean, you talk about all those teams and – you know, I'm, I'm probably jumping the gun and saying this, but we're playing in our conference, which, you know, the Americans a very strong conference. And now we're not just playing three games, we're playing four. And so um, in order to prepare for that and be, I don't, I don't care if you have a Leah White, Gianna Mancha or Brie Vasquez on the mound, you got to be darn good to beat those hitters in four games. You're probably seeing them. I'm not great at math, but what, you know, 12, 16 times. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so uh, that, I mean, if we're not preparing for that and, and put it, practicing that before we get into conference, we are not going to be ready for that. So, um, but again, we love that challenge and we want to play teams again that are going to go and win their conferences. And so um, we're just blessed that, you know, we're either playing the, them at home and regionally, or it's, it's close enough for us to drive down. You're learning this podcast deal. You know how to segue and pivot. That's good. You mentioned the four game conference for the America. Take us through that process as coaches had, and how did that come about where you decided to go to a four game series? So our conference and I mean, we, we take care of our, our conference and I felt very supported. Um, we had a few schools in uh, the conference that were unable to schedule as strong um, or as many games um, as others in the conference because of some of the rules. You know, every school, every county, every state has different rules and different um, protocols when it comes to tournament play versus um, single opponent play and whatnot. And so um, for us in particular, it posed a very difficult um, situation to try to get as many games as we could. Um, and so I, we did get a, a, a last minute with New Mexico State coming in because they're going to stay in Florida, in the state of Florida for a few weeks. Um, so that happened. But those additional six games really helped us. So you're looking at like I think we added 10 games as soon as they made that decision along with that series and uh, maybe the Arizona um, edition. So um, it's just a matter of helping us out, getting our games in and just the, the experience for the student athletes too. You know, we're bringing these seniors back. Well, we got to get them games then. And um, you got to think too, with everything COVID that you, we might have some, postponed games or canceled games so 
just getting as many games on the schedule, as many strong games on the schedule as we could. Um, and that's kind of where that, that ruling went in and everyone supported it for some of the schools that couldn't find those extra opponents. I like how you threw the subtle in there. Yeah, we had Arizona in there. Uh, that's yeah, no hum. That's that's right. That's number three, Arizona. She just mentioned. Yeah, Arizona comes to, is scheduled to come to the Plex March eighth. This will be the third Pac-12 team to play at UCF two years in a row. Utah was the first in 2016. Then last year you had Washington come in as the number one ranked team. This year it's Arizona, and that's uh, to explain to the audience that is not easy to pull off. You know this from having been in the Pac-12 coaching. Pac-12 teams don't go out of their way to travel to the South very often. In fact, you got to go West. That's why Mary Nutter has been such a huge tournament out West. You did the West Coast tournament uh, uh, trip last year just to get games in against teams out there, in particular the Pac-12. Arizona's happy, you know, fortunate he's coming by. I got to give credit to Heather Tarr because I think she was one of the first Pac-12 coaches that said, you know what, we're going to play everywhere. Um, and I think you probably picked up on that when you were on her staff. And I think since then, some of the Pac-12s have decided to travel more. But here you are, Arizona coming in. Uh, pretty historic. Mike Kendra, the all-time winniest head coach in college softball history. Eight national titles. The brand that is Arizona. That's exciting for a lot of fans, not just UCF fans, but softball fans over in Central Florida. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, that that comes down to also the, our relationship with um, Coach Erickson at USF. I mean, he... He's got a good relationship with Coach Kondraya, and so I think they they have a home and home agreement. I don't really know, but um, we benefited from that, it, you know, being where we are. And um, I also think taking care of our conference and getting good opponents against our conference to keep that that high ranking um, really helped. But um, it's just it's just a great experience, you know. There we had we not had them come in, our team may never play them you know, in all of their four years, if some, the way some things work out. So um, we do like to, you know, go to the West coast, like you said, and get those opportunities to play teams that we don't usually get to play. And, um, and that's what it's all about is playing those teams that are traditional tra traditionally in the world series um, because that's where we want to see ourselves. And, and unless you play against them and, and learn how to beat them, you're, you're not going to get there. So um, it's fun to be able to host them and uh, compete against them. And, you know, just for the game, the sport, um, our community, and, you know, hopefully with the amount of fans we're allowed to have, it's, it's going to be a great crowd, but, you know, also the ESPN plus, and um, it, it, it'll be a, a great time for us to be able to have that opportunity on our campus and in our stadium. You mentioned Ken Erickson, obviously, you know, used to be on Mike Kendrea's staff when they're on the U.S. Olympic team. They're good friends uh, helping out in making this happen. And that's something I talked, I spoke to Tim Walton recently, the Florida Gator head coach. He talked about how all you coaches in the state have kind of worked together and help each other out, like UCF and Florida. This is the 20th season of UCF softball. It'll be the first season where UCF and Florida play a home and home in the same season. Usually it's one at one park and then the next year the other. And Tim talked about that, that, you know, being able to reach out to you and say, hey, let's get try to get let's get a home and home. Let's work together on this. Let's we all want to play. I have you noticed that that this coaching fraternity, you've all come in a way bonded even more just because you're all going through this and helping each other out. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, first and foremost, we're trying to do the best by our student athletes. Um, and so 
you know, uh, it, it's going to be the, those two games are going to be awesome, tough games. Um, but we, we want to give them the opportunity to do that. And um, I mean, Tim, coach Walton was great as well. Um, and like, like he, you said about what he had uh, mentioned, you know, we could wait to the last minute and get as many opponents as we could in and then say, okay, where can we play a home and a home? Um, so just to be able to do those things and help each other out. And, you know, like I said, coach Erickson helping us out and us helping out any, any others that we could. Um, it not only is helping the sport, but every student athlete that's in there and especially, especially those fifth year seniors that we're bringing back. Like I just find it silly to bring them back if we're not trying to help each other out in that way. A little, a uh, little trivia as far as Mike Kondrea. So this is the, the, this hopefully will be the second meeting all time between UCF and Arizona. Mike Kondrea, this will be his third time going against UCF in 2008. He was the Olympic head coach. They played UCF in Altamont Springs, part of that Olympic tour that they used to do back then. They played in Altamont Springs. You see Allison Kime, who's the UCF Athletic Hall of Famer, shut him out. It was 0-0 into the bottom of the six when a young lady named Jessica Mendoza had a two-out, two-strike RBI hit, got the one run in. That's all the USA would need. They win one nothing. They beat him. Men Mendoza strikes again. Takes it to time. You and Allison could relate to that, right? You can relate. You both have, have, have to deal with Jessica Mendoza giving you heartbreak. Oh, gosh. Yes, for sure. Um, gosh, I, I didn't actually know about that 08 game, so I that's awesome info. But um, Kime definitely made it through the game longer than I ever did anytime facing those teams. <laughs> <laughs> so kudos to her. Um, but, yes, Jessica Mendoza – I. I don't know. I, I tried to walk her and gave up a home run. So yeah, I got your no tips. I know I got no scouting tips for you on this one. All right. So you and Allison can kind of share, you know, heartbreak on that, but uh, yeah. Allison will never forget. She's always told the story that one of their highlights of her career was after the game, Mike Kendrea singled her out and said, that's one of the best games I've ever seen someone pitch against us. And that meant, and that really, really helped, you know, really uh, as far as the rest of our senior year that year. Uh, so Mike, you know, that was cool for Mike to do that. Uh, with her so that that's a pretty exciting schedule also you're going to South Carolina and Ole Miss SEC their flavor on the you know doing what's unique is Ole Miss is going on on that back end there I think it's your bye week right in the league yes both of us have the same bye weekend and so we were able to work that out um, so I mean I, I have a good relationship with their coach and um, you know she came down here when she was with her previous school and um, so love competing against her they're always great games and so we're, we're looking forward to doing that. We tried to make that trip last year. It just got cut short. We were actually on our way there when we got told to come back to Orlando. So, um, but again, same thing of um, you never know in this game where you'll get sent for postseason or if you get to host. And um, I think putting us in places and, and opportunities and experiences where we get to play in all these different um, stadiums so that, the, the wow factor isn't there, you know, that because we've already been there and done it. Um, but looking forward to the South Carolina trip, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting because we're all going to be wearing masks, masks on the bus and maybe two buses and spread out and maybe may have to pull over just so we can have a water break. I don't, I don't know what it's going to look like, but um, we're playing and we're doing it. So that's, that's what's so exciting. 
Last question. What is going to be the keys now? Once you get into the field, it's going to be, you know, unique because you haven't played a game against somebody else in over 300 days, basically. Uh, it's going to be unique. So I don't know if, if because you didn't have the normal fall and spring, do you have to be more patient early on? Or, you know, you know, as far as where the team is compared to where you would want them to be. But what's going to be the keys once you do get games going on and playing and on the field? What's going to be the keys to be successful and accomplish your internal goals? I think one of the biggest keys is remembering who we are, regardless of all the noise around us. Um, and that goes from playing an opponent. I mean, yes, it is different when you play a different team and not yourself, but really, I mean, we, we, we really work on playing against our best self and, you know, not seeing a name on the shirt or a face on the, you know, on that player. Um, but, you know, just getting back to what got us to this point, what got UCF back in the top 25. Um, and, and I may have been a little firm, and I think that it's fair enough to say this, the, you know, a week ago, and I said, hey, it took us a long time and hard work to get there um, after a few years, and it can be taken away like that. So remember what you're focusing on and where we came from and why we play this game and how we do it. Um, so that's going to be a, a big key is just um, to not let ourselves get too big or bigger than the moment um, and to enjoy it, you know, because when it comes down to it, I, I don't mean to get like, uh, I guess like too, I, I don't know what, what the word is that I'm, I'm looking for here, uh, but just we're playing softball during a pandemic, like we're blessed. We're able to do that. And, um, our medical staff our you know, everybody is just doing such a good job at keeping our student athletes safe. Um, so continuing to just be disciplined in that and recognize that is going to be huge. Um, and then I think what's a really new one for us is that all the double headers we're playing. Yeah. Um, and you know, we may play a double header, but it's usually two different opponents when you play the same opponent twice, it's not easy. It doesn't matter who you're playing. Um, and so that's going to be the challenge. And we're trying to figure out what that looks like from a catching standpoint, a pitching standpoint, just, you know, some of our older players, are they going to need a day off or a game off? Um, so I think those are going to be some of the things. And then just remembering that, you know, it, though it was 300 days ago, um, you get on the bike and you ride. So, um, but those are the things I would say. I don't know if that's what you're looking for, Elo. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. And appreciation, right? We're all appreciative that, you know, you're on the field again and opportunity to play and uh, have fun with it. And at the same time, don't, you know, take it for granted. And I think that's, I think we all kind of hopefully have figured that out through the last year here, not taking things uh, for granted. So it should be interesting. You mentioned the double headers. I think that's going to help you by scheduling those double headers early. It's going to get you ready for conference because you're going to have to play a double header uh, during conference series uh, week. So that's probably good prep too. Oh yeah, I mean, I thinking about playing four games on a Saturday and Sunday against the same team. I've never been a part of anything like that. So um, it's going to be fun and interesting, but you know, it's softball. You realize Stephanie Best will be listening to this, and some of the uh, the original team 
and they're going to be laughing because they used to play a bunch of doubleheaders all the time. So they don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. They're like, whatever. That's like, like we do that. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the old timers, they, they, the legends, they, they could tell you there from the first uh, few years here. Now as we're into our 20th season, Coach Bear, Cindy yeah. Balmalone here joining us. Coach, thanks so much for joining us here. Excited to see you all back on the field and uh, good luck and uh, be safe. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And thanks again to Coach Ball Malone for joining us here in the Black and Go Banneret podcast. Thanks to Sean Asher, the sports information, for setting us up. And let's kind of expand a little bit more on that four-game conference series that Coach Baird talked about. This is a league, of course, that's been a top-five league over the last few years, was headed for that in 2020. South Florida is the defending regular season champions from 2019. They do return their ace pitcher, Georgina Corrick, who has won the last two Pitchers of the Year Awards in the American was an All-American in 2019. And, of course, the Bulls and the Knights will finish the regular season in Orlando in May. That could be a lot high stakes. You've got a Houston team with Kristen Vesley that was young in 2020 but showed promise and figured to be a factor in the race in 2021. Tulsa, of course, has their second-year head coach, Christy Strimple, for taking over for the legendary John Barfield, who left to be an assistant at Oklahoma State. They returned their pitching staff that was in the top 10 in 2020. They also have a new pitching coach in Paige Parker, a former national champion at Oklahoma, two-time national champion. Part of a big names of pitching coaches in the league, Lacey Waldrip is now the new pitching coach at Houston, former Seminole and player national player of the year winner, takes over from Megan Gibson Lofton, who stepped away from college coaching. You also have, of course, other moves in the league. Wichita State with Presley Bell, the former Houston Cougars, the new pitching coach. Wichita State has one of the top offenses returning, led by Riley Buck and Madison Perrigan, who could be the favorite for player of the year. And then you have teams as well, like Memphis and East Carolina, trying to move up in their respective seasons after having young teams in 2020. Figures to be a very competitive year in the American with a four-game series. But, of course, as Coach Ball Malone talked about in that schedule non-conference, you got Arizona coming to UCF for the first time ever. They are a loaded ball club led by, of course, an Olympian who's going to be on the Olympics this summer in Deja Mulapula, the star catcher. Among, of course, Jesse Harper, who is 20 home runs away from the NCAA Division I home run record. She will be part of the Wildcat team. And, of course, it is certainly going to be, it could be uh, many of the storylines when Arizona comes here scheduled for on March the 8th. And, of course, Florida for a home-and-home. They go to Ole Miss and South Carolina, part of a challenging schedule for this night's team that they're certainly looking forward to it. Of course, when we talk records, we talk Aaliyah White. Aaliyah White. Coming back, 77 wins. Currently, three away from tying the school record held by Shelby Turnier, who had 80. Mackenzie Audis with 78. That's what's behind Aaliyah White. She addressed that and much more. As we, we come back, you'll listen to the media availability that was held this week with Aaliyah White and Jasmine Esparza. They talked about the upcoming season as well as interesting journey that they've had to get to UCF. You're listening to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. And welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Eric Lopez with you. Of course, we talked about the team and the roster with Coach Bear. Now let's hear from the players, the two super seniors, Aaliyah White 
and Jasmine Esparza. Esparza among the top fielding def- players in the history of the program at first base, but had, had was coming off a big year in 2020, hitting 321 on the season. She returns alongside Kira Klarkowski, who will be roaming at center field and really one of the top center fielders in program history. And, of course, Aaliyah White, 77 wins in her brilliant career, now looking to break those records. But more importantly, as you'll hear her talk, trying to get win and get a conference championship and NCAA tournament bid. They both were available for the media that included Trey Strelko from Sons of UCF as well as student media. Here now is that media availability with Aaliyah and Jasmine. All right, uh, I'll start with the, the both of you ladies. Obviously, uh, Aaliyah and Jasmine, talk about being back here for another year after, you know, last season, the way it ended, and now to now here on the verge of a – a highly anticipated season, starting with you, Jess. Honestly, it's it's a blessing to be back. Honest, I I I can't be any more happier. Words can't even explain how happy I am to be back, especially with this team. Um, there's just so much potential, so much talent on this team. So I think with Coach Bear granting us both the opportunity to come back was definitely something that I can't even thank her enough in words for. Yeah, to go off jazz, like I'm just super thankful to even get this opportunity and being back with these girls is absolutely amazing. Uh, Last year we put ourselves on the map and this year I can't even like fathom the words that is about to be. Do you ever play what if with regards to the previous season, knowing how good a start you'd gotten off to? Um, but what if is always going to be a thing, no matter what, it's always, what if this, what if that? Um, but at this point, we're just going off of what happened last year. Coach continuously talks about this year. We're not playing for just team 2020 or team 20. We're playing for team 19 as well. We're playing for the girls that aren't able to be here with us, that we're part of our senior class. And we're also playing for the girls that are, when we leave, are going to be part of the team coming up next year. Yeah, I think last year was just the start, and this year, um, this team's something special, and I think that's going to show. All right, so kind of building off of what Trace asked, um, how did you both kind of feel when you heard the season shut down last year? Go ahead, Lily, you can start this one. (laughs) Okay. Um, Once I knew that season was over, I was absolutely devastated. to have something ripped away when you've had your whole life. Um, I didn't know what to feel. I just knew everything came to a stop. Um, Didn't know what it was gonna look like. Didn't know if we were gonna get our year back. Um, So it was pretty heartbreaking and I was in a little bit of a, just kind of like a low. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know um, throughout quarantine, I kind of had to figure out who I was without softball, because it's not always about softball. You're more than just a softball player. Um, So I really had to figure out what that was and what that looked like. A hundred percent. Aaliyah said it perfectly. It was, in all honesty, I was in denial for so long. I think for the first like two weeks, I was like, no, this isn't happening. Like, we're still going to come back. We're going to play. And I was in such denial. And I think that was the hardest part is just, trying to figure out like how to believe like your season really just ended so like abruptly randomly and it was hard for a while I think for the first at least month trying to figure out like all right 
I'm supposed to be playing right now. Like, this is not where I'm supposed to be. I'm not supposed to be home yet. Like, why am I here type of thing? And then um, I think it was still a blessing to be home, I think, with my family being so far away. But still, I'm like, this is weird. Like, I'm supposed to be with my team. What am I doing? Like, who am I without softball? And just like Aaliyah said, it's like, it kind of took me a little while to figure out, like, okay, I'm not just a softball player. Like, I have more to myself. So it's like, that's what kind of quarantine did for me is to figure out what else I can do other than play softball. Uh, Aaliyah, what has Coach Kendrick Kierhoff and Coach Bear, Coach Ball Malone, done for you as far as working with the pitching staff and working with you personally? And then, Jazz, what has Tiffany Jordan meant to you and the team as far as defensively and just get and the, the approach that she has in her philosophy with defensively starting with you Ali on, on Kendra and Cindy and then Jazz I want you to talk about Tiffany yeah um our coaches are absolutely amazing coach Kendra and coach Bear um help us in the bullpen they help us through our difficult days and our good days um they've led us through some tough times but they definitely keep us close and connected as a pitching staff um and I'm just so thankful to play for them. Yeah, going off Aaliyah, like she said, we have an amazing coaching staff. All girls, we it's it's crazy. You never know what to expect every day. Every day is a different thing. It's funny. Um, but I've been with Coach Tiff for the past five years, and she's seen me grow from someone that just from my lowest to my highest to now to everything, and her being a part of our defensive side not just with the outfield, but she does give us infield input. And she's always like being that positive light of energy that continuously wants to like get us better and wants us to know that, yeah, we might not be doing well one day, but we're fine. We're only going to get better. So I think in general, our coaching staff is, is amazing. And I wouldn't want to spend my last year with anyone else. I want to go back to something you both expressed gratitude about having another season to play athletes extended that eligibility some have pursued professional careers others have graduated gone into their uh, chosen career what did you grapple with in making that decision was it a struggle to make that decision to come back or was it a no-brainer for you i can go first jazz um for me coming back was a no-brainer um i had actually gotten accepted into the master's program for kinesiology here um, so I knew I was going to stay here. It was just a matter of fact of if I was, if they were going to grant us our eligibility or not. So once that was, um, approved and given to us, it was a no brainer for me. And I was just super thankful that the coaching staff, um, gave me that opportunity again. Yeah. So going off Aaliyah, it definitely was a no brainer. I'm kind of in a little different situation. I am from California and being so far away from home, I kind of had what I wanted to do planned out already after like if we were to have played last season um so it's kind of putting my second like the second half of my life on hold for a little bit but I honestly prayed on the situation because I had no clue I was like what do I want to do do I want to continuously pursue what I wanted to do after my senior year which was go to grad school or do I want to come back and play and like I said I prayed on it and the next morning coach bear texted me and it was it was like oh okay I know what I'm supposed to do like I know where I'm supposed to be. So that's that's when right away I texted back. I was like, okay, I'm coming back. Um, can you both kind of describe what's like the energy like around the team now that you're about to get back on the field for the first time in almost a year? I think there's honestly a lot of excitement. I, I think that's the only word that can really put it out there is the excitement. 
I know me, Aaliyah, and Kira, which are the three returning super seniors, we're talking about it. And it's just like to think it's almost been a whole year since we haven't been on the field. It's insane to think like we've been able to be on the field playing against each other, but to see a different opponent in a different uniform and a different jersey, it's like, whoa, like <laughs> what's going on? But honestly, I think the only word that I can say is excitement all the way around. Everybody's excited, excited and ready to go. Yeah, I would agree with Jazz. It's definitely been a long time coming and it's going to be um, super weird to play another team because we've been competing against ourselves for seven months. Um, so facing a different team is going to be crazy, but it's going to be awesome. Um, I think all of us are just super excited and ready for um, this weekend. I think our practices have been great, but we're ready to show, show everyone what we got. Uh, Aaliyah, talk about the pitching staff, obviously, what, what to expect from this season. And Jazz, talk about the offense and what has stood out for the offense as well and some of the players that have stood out to you, uh, starting with you, Aaliyah. Yeah, um, our pitching staff has grown. Um, we now have eight of us, and it's awesome. It's like our own little team. Um, but we all learn from each other. We, um, we grow each day. We challenge each other. Uh, each pitcher brings something different to the circle. Um, and as a staff, we just uh, like we've been teaching the freshmen to have each other's backs and just challenge us every day and grow from there. Offensively, the only word I can really give it is talent all the way around, hands down. Um, we are talented. We are we are a very stacked team offensively. Anybody can do, play anywhere and do anything. Um, you can get someone that's probably looks like one of the smallest players, but can hit probably one of the furthest balls. It's it's a little bit of everything. One of the fastest can be one of the strongest at the same time. Um, but I think offensively we are, it, we won't skip a beat. If someone gets taken out of the lineup, let's say in the middle of a game, the person coming in will not skip a beat and it will be the same thing. It will feel like it was just all going like in a really good flow, if that makes any sense. Uh, Leah, 14 doubleheaders on the schedule. You talked about the pitching staff a little bit. Uh, talk a little bit more about the depth and the challenge of having a schedule with so many uh, doubleheaders. And then, Jasmine, you mentioned offensively there. How about defensively uh, as well, if you'll comment on that next? Yeah, the doubleheaders are actually um, quite a bit, but our pitching staff has a lot of depth. There's um, – like I said, we all just bring something different to the table and each game kind of like what off jazz said, we all, we have depth and um, whoever's in the game will get the job done. And if, if they get taken out and we get new person in, like they'll have each other's backs for sure. Yeah. Aliyah is saying it perfectly as well. We defensively, we are definitely having each other's backs. We're pushing, pulling, dragging each other, trying to make each other better. Uh, if you, might not be having the best day defensively, there's someone right behind you that's going to just push you to get better in not just the game, but in practice. We make practice even harder than the game. So I think that's one thing that we are going to continuously like live off of too is defensively, we can all play every position. We can have someone that plays shortstop come out of nowhere and play first base or vice versa. It's things like that. Like We're very versatile defensively. All right, so your team was picked to place, or sorry, preseason 21st in the country and picked um, first in the American preseason by coaches. 
Do you feel like that's kind of indicative of the talent and potential of this team? Go ahead, Lee. Go, guys. Um, I think those numbers are awesome, and I think um, it was good to be recognized. Um, I definitely think for us, we look at it as a, look at it as a stepping stone, um, and we just want to back that up and move up, obviously, in the rankings from there. Yeah, Aaliyah said it perfectly. It's it's just a stepping stone for us. Um, but like she said, this is just the beginning. Yeah, it was amazing to get recognized. It's our names out there, and that's that's what we planned to do last year. We last year's team was let's put our name out there, and we did that. And this year's team and teams after us is we're just gonna make it even better. And like that's one thing is, it's just the beginning. I'm excited. Describe the two of you. Obviously, Kira Klarkowski, you mentioned that's the other senior coming back. Uh, Aubrey Johnson was the other senior. She didn't return. She's got grad school somewhere else. But describe the journey for all of you. You came in together, the ups and downs to the present there. And I don't know if you have any stories when you all met together there, starting with you, Jazz. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> I honestly think we've grown a lot, a lot. Um from our freshman year, I could, I don't even think I can talk about a freshman year like it was yesterday. It's just amazing. It's crazy how much we've grown. And I think we just make each other better. And we've built between the three of us, I think we've built such a big trust that no matter what happens, we will have each other's back. And we decided, hey, we came in together. We are all definitely leaving together. <laughs> Yeah, I think our journey is definitely one to look back on. Um, I think the three of us have seen it all. Um, I think our freshman year, we didn't think we were going to um, have a new coaching staff, have um, a pandemic in the way. Um, I didn't think, I don't think we really thought about that. We were just like, oh, awesome. Like, let's go live the best four years of our lives. And um, But good to go off jazz. I think we've definitely grown. Um and I definitely think that we are not only softball players, but we've become um, even better women and even better friends. If you had that 30 second elevator speech with someone who has not seen a game in person or hasn't had an opportunity to watch it on TV, what would be uh, the identity of this program that you would share that would get someone to tune in or uh, come out to the stadium? <laughs> Jasmine's to All right. Um, a 30 second one elevator speech. Honestly, I would say one thing that we've came up with is UCF United, confident and fearless and DNA different, noticeable and appealing. Those are three different. Well, in total, six different things that we continuously live off of is we want to be different. No matter what it is, our culture is different. Our dynamic is different. And we want to be noticeable. And like I said, we're going to put ourselves on the map. We're going to make sure that people know who we are and we're going to be appealing. We're going to get people interested to know what type of program we've built and how far we've come. She nailed it. <laughs> Any more questions, guys? Yeah, I got a couple. Um, my thoughts are, uh, um, first of all, Jasmine and Leah. Jazz Talk about what the number seven means to you. You wear number seven, and Aaliyah, you wear 27. Uh, 
number seven, it's, it's honestly been a number that I've had since I was young. Um, it's kind of more of like it ran through the family. My aunt had it. My uncle had it. My dad honestly had 13, which was kind of weird. I don't know how, how I got seven, but lucky number seven has always been my number. And I, that's kind of what it is. Nothing crazy. I wear 27 probably a little different. Um, it's pretty personal for me and my family. I was born as a micro preemie. So I was on life support for 27 days before I could actually breathe on my own. And I was in the NICU for three months. I was born at a pound and a half. Good, that's a good story there. What do uh, personal records mean to you? I mean, Aliyah, you're moving up here. You're, you're you know, likely to be all-time wins later. I mean, when you, when you look at those personal statistics, I know it's a team game, but you take pride in that uh, or it's not that important to you? Um, if I'm being honest, I really don't try and think about them. Um, I just love to be out there with the girls and love to be able to compete with them each and every day because without them, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. I wouldn't be able to um, even get those honors without them. So I know that um, I'm just super thankful for the opportunity I get to be with them and play each game um, from there. Yeah, going off Aaliyah, that's kind of the same way. It's kind of playing for the girls to the side of us. Honestly, I think I'm more excited for Aaliyah to get her record than she is. I already told her, I said, when that record hits, I'm going crazy. But that's because I think I've seen, like we said, we've been together for five years. And it's one thing that I know she's been working towards. And for her to achieve it's such a huge goal is, is incredible. Last one from me. What's going to be the keys for you? You know, the high expectations there. There's a target on your back. What's the keys for you all to be successful this year and accomplish your internal goals, starting uh, with you, Jess? Um, I think some of the keys for us would definitely be just communication, constantly communicating with each other, making sure that we have that trust, have that unification between each other, and not really take anything for granted, live every day, like every game, play every second. Like We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know who's going to be playing type of thing. So it's just living in the moment and understanding that for us, yes, it's our last season, but we don't want, like, take it as a privilege type of thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think the key, one of the main keys for us is just trust, like trust in each other, trust in the process, um, the process with everything, with COVID, if we're going to play games, if we're not going to play games, what that looks like. Um, so just trust in each other and play our game and stick to what we know how to do. And I think if we focus um, on our plan and what we've been set out to do, then I think we play game by game. And thanks again to Aaliyah White and Jasmine Esparza. That was from Media Availability there with uh, available there. Thanks to Sean Asher for setting that up. So lots of high expectations for this night's team. Pretty much got you through the gauntlet. Should be a fun year. How do they handle the expectations? Should be an interesting, intriguing journey. Part of the 20th season of UCF softball. We'll be covering it for you here on Black and Go Banneret. Make a note: the majority, pretty much all UCF home games this season will be broadcasted on ESPN Plus. Select games will include featured analysts Francesca and Nail. More on that down the road. Will as details come clear. But that's big time with three-time All-American and national broadcaster Francesca and Nail, part of the UCF coverage this season on ESPN Plus, among others. Big big year of coverage for UCF softball. So that will do it for this special edition of the Black and Gold Banneret. 
Thanks to Coach Bear for joining us, Cindy Ball Malone, as well as Aaliyah White, Jasmine Esparza. Thanks to Sean Asher for setting it up. Check out UCFKnights.com for all the latest in UCF softball. And, of course, here as well on BlackAndGoBanneret.com, on UCF underscore Banneret on Twitter. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube page as well, as you can, of course, check out uh, and like all the videos that we will have up there from night shifts to coaches' interviews, from post-game media availabilities, all of it will be on our YouTube page at Black and Go Banner. And, of course, make sure you subscribe to our regular podcast where you get podcasts like this, UCF Women's Soccer Preview Show, and, of course, the regular shows that we do with all the latest news with the ongoing developments around UCF athletics. So, for everybody here, for Jeff, for Murph, you'll hear them in the future. I'm Eric Lopez. And we hope you've enjoyed this special edition of the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast.